Welcome to The Resonance, the podcast about the energy industry from Alpha Energy Group. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Alpha Energy Group podcast. I'm Jeremy Nicholson, Corporate Affairs Officer, and I'm here for my bi-weekly catch-up with the markets with Jason Durden, my Alpha colleague, Head of Energy Markets and Risk Management. Jason, a lot's been going on here in power, carbon, but also oil and gas. What, what's been happening there? Yes, hello, Jeremy. Um, we've had uh, quite a choppy session or, or few sessions in oil, although ultimately it must be said that uh, the price remains very much range-bound. Um, but we've had some fairly bearish uh, indicators in terms of uh, demand outlooks for next year and also some supply statements uh, in, in recent days from OPEC saying they will continue to push ahead with uh, increasing um, production into the market. Uh, in other words, reining back on the uh, the cuts that were put in emergency uh, last year. Um, at the same time, we're seeing you know continued pressure from the, the US in terms of low output. And although we're seeing some recovery in uh, some rig counts, uh, a very very active hurricane season has uh, has been quite uh, disruptive to uh, American output. So on one hand, we've got you know some stats suggesting that a market could be balanced by the end of the year, beginning of next year uh, and others from notably the IEA's latest report and OPEC's latest report suggesting that um, uh, the market you know demand become is still the main consideration into 21 as Europe has its uh, big second wave of uh, coronavirus and, and, and lockdowns and restricted trade and movements um, so still uh, I suppose the market bouncing around but bouncing around between a very narrow range ultimately doesn't seem to be that much upside from from here until we get a clearer picture on demand um, that's kind of uh, spilled into gas as well Europe has been left quite short of early season LNG uh, the UK whilst it has three tankers coming in in the next 17 days uh, hasn't really seen any LNG since September that has left stocks a little on the low side and um, has given the market reason to push up on the short-term pricing to, and dare I say it, a very unimaginative market. Market obviously quite distressed, a lot of overhanging and uh, longer running maintenance going on. Suppliers been able to push prices back to 40 pence. Last time we saw 40 pence spot prices, last October, last November. So, you know, although the dynamic has been very different, I think, you know, the, the call of the, the underlying thing here is that producers need a certain amount of money and they want a certain amount of money for their product uh, and they will make the market conditions right in the long term to ensure they're getting it, which ultimately has to be to the benefit of everybody because they're not going to create or dump for long periods of time their product into a market that is, you know, sub-cost or, or, or costing, you know, de depleting their margins. But uh, I think, you know, we can see this in quite a lot of energy. We can see the, you know, regardless of what the dynamics are, we can see pricing patterns are still very familiar to sort of longer term and certainly in terms of what we saw last year. 
So for, for gas, for me, it's about LNG. When does it start coming back? We're starting to see UK uh, schedules and European schedules from America again. Stat South states are telling us that there's a lot of gas in the South Central region, which is waiting for export effectively. Stocks in that part of the US, 22% above the five-year average. So I think we can assume the gas is coming, but we've got overhanging maintenance. We've got the most disruptive hurricane season since Katrina in 2005 in the Gulf of Mexico. We've got a relatively cold snap now. We are above seasonal normal demand at the moment. So all of this playing into the market, having perhaps a last hurrah until the LNG starts arriving at 40 odd pence. And at that level, you know, if the LNG doesn't start to arrive then it's probably priced in for a much tighter winter my 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 summation is that you know this is kind of the last hurrah based on cold weather and uh, you know the americans will be selling lng into this market they were selling actively last year into this market at these price levels and lower we're going to see a little bit more of that but a little bit more pain um just the last little bits of uncertainty being taken out of the market i think for gas well that's interesting claire even if it's uh, predominant north america and uh, the possibility of uh, rising demand in europe where some of it may end up in a curious kind of way do you think uh, you know consumers and others can take some confidence from this because it's been an extraordinary year you've mentioned the uh, the hurricanes that could have been extraordinarily disruptive to uh, to oil production in the gulf and probably have been in physical terms but the market's absorbed it there's a lot been going on in gas and carbon in europe and some issues in power too and yet as you say, it's kind of deja vu all over again. We've had a, a similar sort of a rally in prices in the run-up to the start of the autumn season. Does this show that the markets are you know, resilient and taking all this in their stride? I think so. I mean, um, there has been limited volume in UK gas, particularly on the curve. There's been a you know a lack of real interest, a lack of people wanting to take massive positions, I suppose, which is understandable given the uh, the flux of the economic situation. If you look to power, I mean, uh, you know, our, our tenet is that fundamentally the UK power market is uh, broken as a trading platform. Um, it's uh, Ofgem have been caught out by removing any liquidity that was in place or liquidity protection that was in place um, with the old market maker obligations. Now they were removed and of course COVID has delayed any replacement of those which has made liquidity and uh, the ability to trade that market virtually um, were very difficult shall we say, let's not say impossible, nothing's impossible. But uh, yeah I think markets are reflecting long-term curve prices on the markets particularly for gas are showing discounts to long-term averages but are we seeing those really distressed summer prices of single digit spot gas no we're not and we wouldn't expect to so there's still some real value out there but you know it's certainly for those customers that are looking further down the curve and, and, and certainly not for the short-time customers at this moment in time Indeed, and, and with the question of rising demand, or at least uh, demand bouncing back to something approximating what it was before the COVID crisis, if not quite equaling it, you know, what's the balance between supply and demand out there? Uh, because the supply is constrained by availability, and that, that's affected by things like um, summer maintenance in the North Sea and elsewhere. Are there any concerns we should have about some of those uh, initiatives finishing on time? Look, I probably think that 
the extended maintenance on the uh, Norwegian continental shelf particularly was, uh, um, you know, commercially driven, faced with really low prices. Would you do maintenance, uh, an extended maintenance at that point, or would you choose to reduce your ability to sell into a market for, for prices that were, you know, in your interest to sell as much as you can? So the fact that we're seeing difficult and extended maintenance doesn't really surprise me. In terms of power, I think that's quite similar. I mean, France we saw 20% drop in year-on-year French nuclear availability in September. But yet since then, we've had uh, EDF come out and say their forecast for the rest of the year is actually revised upwards. So, uh, you know, some evidence that, you know, maintenance is coming back. In terms of the UK on the power side, we are back up to, you know, we are seeing nuclears come on that have been off fairly long term. That's looking quite promising. For biofuels at Drax over the, the summer, we're seeing a little bit more flexibility coming coming into the power system now but we have only just in the last week or so had a couple of uh, slot 47 slot 48 uh, I think slot 43 uh, a couple of notices where the reliance on wind energy is just beginning to sort of flag some of those things that perhaps in the extreme we've seen in places like California that says you know you cannot take all your and replace it with intermittent supply you know, or you will get these really quite odd days where you've got very, very high prices for two or three slots during the peak demand, and then you've got fairly normalised prices across the rest of the day. But of course, if you've got a couple of slots at £500 a megawatt hour, that's going to really push up your overall data head price because it's, you know, effectively just a uh, uh, an aggregated number. Well, I think that's an important warning to heed, not not to be overly concerned about, because, you know, wind has been providing a huge amount of UK electricity and quite a lot of European electricity in recent months and years. It's growing fast. The cost of offshore wind is going down. All of that's good news uh, from a carbon point of view and so on. But something has to be there to fill the gap when the wind isn't blowing and the sun isn't shining. And earlier this week, you know, National Grid electricity system operator you know issued warnings about uh, margins possibly being being low and we'd need more gas generation and other firm supply to to plug that gap do you, do you think policymakers have got it i mean i noticed the prime minister in his recent conference speech had going from had gone from you know saying wind couldn't pull the skin off a rice pudding to saying we'd have 40 gigawatts of uh, offshore wind on the uk system by 2030 i think was the headline figure is there a danger perhaps we've lost plot on this one we're going to need we're going to need um, a, a range of technologies to keep things it, secure. It, the transition period. I mean, um, if people want to, uh, well, if they're having trouble sleeping, there are, there's a report out over the recent to too much intermittent supply without enough planning. It is a warning. No, I don't believe that governments will heed it. <laughs> <laughs> but essentially, not until something really happens. But, you know, if we, if we see Hinkley arrive and we see gas continue to replace coal and we see you know perhaps new bio um, and we see a little bit more resilience of the UK nuclear fleet which seems to be EDF seems to have gone top of that of late and then I don't think there's anything to worry about but you know wind is clearly the way forward but unless we have some sort of uh, 
you know, move towards uh, either competing or, or different renewable technologies that can sort of prove a little bit more reliable um, or, or less intermittent. Or we can uh, uh, we can move battery technology where you know we can actually just store wind and, and use it from battery technology at a grid level at a grid level then you know i don't think uh, I, th- I think we, we we need to understand that you know it's great having a lot of wind but it becomes a, it almost becomes binary and that's what we've seen it becomes binary b- b- between have you got enough gas the minute you don't have enough wind and if you've got a few issues like we've had this summer in terms or late summer in terms of maintenance and availability of gas and higher prices well, to get the gas you will be able to deliver the power but at what cost Exactly, and I, th- I think that's a perfect point on which to conclude. It's something I've al- always argued. The question isn't just whether we can physically do something, but at what cost we can deliver it to consumers. And I, I, that's hugely relevant to the net zero debate. But, you know, new investment in all sorts of things, including interconnectors, is is perhaps helping to keep that cost under control. Well, Jason, thank you very much again for your tour of the markets. It'll be interesting to see when we next catch up whether we've whether your your hunch that we've kind of gone through a, a pre-autumn blip is right and we're into into a new phase or whether it'll be a repeat of uh, what happened last year. We'll we'll see. We'll do join us for another podcast again soon to find out about that. If you'd like any more information on our reports, please do look at our website alphaenergygroup.com forward slash UK, and we hope you join us again soon. <laughs>